We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. Always fun after a win. We call our early week edition the Game Plan which means Toby Rowland is in the house at the Lincoln Rally press conference. Ooh, a oh, a little loud. Sorry. Sorry about that. I, well, you know, it's Hi, turn it to the left to turn it down and right to turn it up, and I decided you needed to be louder okay. on that one, so my bad. You're the boss. How was the trip back from Manhattan? Good, good. My uh, father and Peyton, my son, uh, one of my sons went with me this weekend, and um, it was fun. It's fun. That makes the miles go by a little, little easier. We were in the uh, – Lander Chevy Tahoe and hit up the Love's Travel stops on the way up and back. And uh, Dad drove up so I could get some work done in the car. And then we listened to uh, a bunch of football and baseball games and had the Thunder basketball game on the way back. So uh, it was a good trip. I got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's not the same when you're not there on Friday for me. I felt like a lost puppy dog. I, I wasn't there to, to eat dinner with you guys on Friday night. No, I dinner, hate that. So what's no, our next road out, trip? Go conversations. Lawrence. OSU, well, OSU we won't. So, Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll all be up in Kansas City together. I'm but afraid. I guess I guess we do. Maybe it's just in my mind, but have a little mini tradition when it comes to Oklahoma State because mm-hmm. we all kind of meet at the Walmart and then drive on. <laughs> That's right. Because Oklahoma okay. State is is our Oklahoma State. Excuse me. Oklahoma is three and zero in games in which my we car has been parked at a Walmart. Okay. Well, let's meet at the Walmart for Pete's <laughs> sake in Edmond. <laughs> hey, three o'clock kick time. By the way, before we get too carried away, looking back and looking ahead to Tech, three o'clock kick time for Bedlam. You like? Um, let me see. I haven't thought about it yet. Uh, yes. I, I, I'm glad it's not 11. Mm-hmm. So I guess beyond that, I don't really care. I, I do think I like primetime games. I do too. But the, there is something that's kind of cool, and, and we talked about this with OU Texas, and it happened again with the 3 o'clock turned 3.30 kick for Kansas State, and it'll happen in this game. It starts when it's daylight, and as the game goes along, the sun sets and the lights start to take yes. over, and there's something kind of dramatic and romantic about that. So that's uh, that's what it'll be for Bedlam. I, I don't know what the weather's going to be like. Um, we'll see, obviously. It sounds like for this Saturday night's game, it's going to be a little Great. bit chilly. Yeah, a little, little bit cool, but we can handle that. I think we can handle a little, little bit yeah. chilly. But it's going to be the coldest game of the year so far, but it shouldn't be too bad. Well, there's some interesting matchups. On that Saturday, too, if we look ahead two weeks, Penn State, Michigan State, LSU, Alabama on that same Saturday as Bedlam. I mean, Ohio State goes to Iowa. Never easy whenever you go play in Could be tricky. Des Moines, Clemson at North Carolina State, Vodtech at Miami, Stanford at Washington State. So that has the Iowa State at West Virginia 
is on the yeah. Saturday of Bama. This this week, this Saturday. Yeah, I'm getting a little carried away, aren't I? I'm looking ahead. Well, I'm just saying the next the next couple of weeks are could go a long ways towards shaping who is actually in the playoff hunt. You know, we can throw out. We can still probably throw out. 12 to 15 teams right now yep. that you say if they win out, they're in. And that's true. But that number is going to dwindle a lot in the next two weeks. So is Saturday Saturday's an elimination game. Every week we have these elimination games, I think, for the playoffs. Notre Dame-USC last week, USC loses, they're out. And I don't think there's any way a two-loss team is getting in if the trend continues. Ohio State might be facing an elimination game against Penn State, but for some reason I almost feel like as Sooner fans we need to root for Ohio State or no? I think so. You think yeah. so? All right, for twofold, one, it would be nice for Penn State to absorb a loss, uh, yes. and two, I think you want that Ohio State win to look as strong as possible. I, I like, I hadn't really thought of it this way, but Barry Trammell this week started to assign uh Magic numbers for conferences. Okay. So how many losses can your conference absorb uh, and still get a team into the playoff? Kind of like we do in baseball pennant races. I like it. And his magic number for the Big 12 was four. Uh, In other words, you've got OU and OSU, each with one loss already. They could lose. If they lose one, they're out. Right. The second loss eliminates you. And TCU has zero, so it takes two losses to get them out. So uh, any combination of a loss between OU, OSU, or TCU knocks off one of your magic numbers from four down to three or whatever. I like it. And he went around every conference and assigned magic numbers to every conference and you know, kind of gives you a clue as to – I think the Pac-12 is down to one. two. two. <laughs> At Washington and Washington State each only have yeah, one Washington, loss. So. I forgot about Washington. But, but the bottom line is this. Until we see it happen – so far, a two-loss team hasn't made it in. Now, it may someday happen. I'm sure it will. But it hasn't, and it's going to take a pretty odd set of circumstances, I think, for it to happen. So that's where we are now. We're in the final five weeks of the regular season, plus a conference championship game. We're in the final six weeks here. And it is, uh, you know, any team from this point on, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, Clemson, that already has one loss, it is an elimination game. OU's got an elimination game this Saturday against Texas Tech. Yeah, very true. Very and then true. the next Saturday against Oklahoma State. And if they survive that, the next Saturday against TCU, they're going to have to run the table. OU's going to have to win uh, eight straight games to win the national championship from this point forward, not counting the two that are in the rear view. So they're going to they're gonna have to go on a 10-game winning streak starting back at the Texas game to win the national championship. Any game they lose from here on out, they're done. Out. Uh, probably, wow. probably, barring a really weird set of circumstances, they're done. What a, what a wild weekend it shapes up to be in the Big 12. Another big 11 a.m. game with Oklahoma State in, West, in Morgantown to take on West Virginia. That's never easy. Then who would have who thought that we'd be circling Ames, Iowa on October 28th as one of the biggest games in the Big 12? For TCU and Iowa State. What a great story that what is. Story, I, I wish we weren't a part of it. <laughs> I wish we weren't the catalyst for it. Right. But um, good for them. I mean, you know, for they followed it up. It's, I guess it works well for Oklahoma that they didn't go out and then just look atrocious the next two weeks. They actually look like they're pretty good. Uh, Iowa State you're talking about. Uh, they handled Texas Tech in Lubbock easily last Saturday. And they're an issue. I mean, they're going to mess it up for somebody here. They've already messed it up for Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, they have. They get TCU and Oklahoma State, I think, the next two weeks or two of the next three weeks. So they're playing really good football. Yeah, they are. What they did to Texas Tech was pretty impressive, which gets us to this weekend. A little bit of a different feel around Texas Tech. Obviously, a much different feel with no Patrick Mahomes back there, thankfully. Uh, but Shimonek can get the job done. It just – you never know. I, I mean, I know this is a, a Captain Obvious statement and no one wants to hear it, but Toby, when OU and Texas Tech play, weird things seem to happen. Uh, obviously, the, the game last year, which was one of the more amazing track meets I think we've ever seen in our lives, uh, you know, the upset win that Tech had back here in, what, 2011, the following season, 
going there after a loss and beating them. I mean, it. this is always kind of a wild series. I hope it stays normal for Saturday night. Rainstorms. We always see Oh, gosh, we always have a delay for rainstorms. When Texas Tech comes to town. If I would have told you that the future OU head coach was on the sidelines in 2008 <laughs> when everyone would jump around, would you have guessed it would have been their wide receivers coach, Lincoln Riley? Probably not. No, probably <laughs> not. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, at this point, if you're an OU fan, I, I believe five of the first seven games have been undecided going into the fourth quarter. Uh, and they've won four of those yep. five. But I would just as soon have a drama-free evening <laughs> where Oklahoma comes out and plays great and defense plays great and they route a team and we all jump around, you know. Right. But I don't have high hopes for that. I mean, I think that this is shaping up to be one of those years where week in and week out, it is fight and claw and hang on for dear life, you know? Right. So I don't know what to expect from Tech. They have looked really good at times this year. They ha- they didn't look good last Saturday against Iowa State, but neither, neither did we. Right. So I fully anticipate that they'll play their best game of the year Saturday. It seems That seems to be the MO for whoever OU plays this year. They're going to put together their best game of the year. Um, you know, my hope is, I, I really hope, this is the first of four games down the stretch, four of the five they're going to play remaining against teams that can throw the ball, high-powered offensive passing attacks. And if they're going to run the gauntlet here, if they're going to run the table and beat Tech, OSU, TCU, and West Virginia, they're going to have to de- defend the pass. They're going to have to do a good job of defending the pass, getting after quarterbacks, intercepting passes, keeping big plays from happening, defend the pass. It's been a problem, obviously. It's been a problem this year. So I think it's important Saturday night that we start to see signs that that is going to be okay the rest of the way, that they're that they're going to be able to handle Mason Rudolph and uh, and Will Greer and Kenny, uh, uh, Kenny Hill. T- Kenny Hill. Yeah. Why do I always forget his name? I do too. I keep Kenny Hill. To, I keep wanting to call him Kyler Murray and Nick Shimanek. I mean yeah. that that they are going to be able to handle these high powered passing attacks. Uh, they didn't last year in Lubbock, obviously, uh, and they haven't at times early this year. So uh, that's what I'm looking for Saturday. It's always funny. We've talked about this a lot, and I learned it a lot from you in that. You can't always tell people, hey, it's going to be okay and what you think they want to hear. And I know we, we deal with this every single day on our radio shows. But I have a hard time, and maybe this is just the eternal optimist in me, in getting too angry anytime you went on the road. You know, I, I, I just – I get it that if you start comparative scoring, you're going to drive yourself crazy. But to me, Oklahoma went on the road. Kansas State did what Kansas State does sometimes where they – coming with a game plan, even though it's as simplistic as it might have been. And they found a way to have success against the Sooners in the first half. Am I being am I being overly optimistic if I'm more impressed with the adjustments and the only, what, 12 yards they allowed in the second half and then being concerned in the first half? I, mean, I thought that was a heck of an adjustment that Mike Stoops and his crew made in the second half. I don't think half. they're mutually exclusive. Okay. I think you can be Fair both. Enough. I think you can be both. I, I think you can be – Upset with the way OU played in the first half and proud of the way they played in the second half and wish you had seen the way they played in the second half the entire game. <laughs> Fair. Um, I, I think that – now I talked about this a little bit this morning. Um, Kansas State's a great environment. So first time we've really got to see it rock. Yeah, that's the best it's been. Yeah. And um, when you go on the road, there's a separation between what you physically see in person and what you see on television. Because when you're there, when you're in the middle of it, and nine, nine, 90% of the people you see are wearing the opposition color, and they're having parades and marches, and the intro videos are for their guys, and they've got their own scene setters and all this kind of, and their band is on the field, and they're hopping around and playing their songs and all that, you're in the middle of the storm of purple, or wherever you are, orange if you're in Tennessee or whatever, and you win by one point. 
you go, holy cow, I can't believe we won. Let's get out of here. How did we win in the middle of that? And a lot of that is lost through the television because you don't see all the pregame pomp and you don't see what the road atmosphere is and uh, all that kind of stuff. You just see the teams on the field and you're like, how come we can't beat these guys? Somebody else beat these guys. So I think some of that is lost. I have a hard time, I know, when, especially when we're on the road, being able to step back and and see the game as a fan would see it back in their living rooms and not as the person who is in the middle of it and try to properly analyze a game. I've also learned this. Not just OU fans, all college football fans, they want the score to be 24-21. If it's 13 to 10, the offenses were terrible. If it's 42-35, the defenses were terrible. Uh, a football fan is comfortable with a game in the 20s. Okay. You I like I mean? it. Yeah, I like it. That's I like a comfortable range for them. And so when it gets up to 42-35 or, you know, heaven forbid, 66-59 like we would had last year, <laughs> then one side of the ball is getting the wrath. The OSU-Texas game saw it, you know, on the other end of that spectrum on Saturday. 13-10, to 10, offenses stink. People got to be fired. Uh, 42-35, defenses stink, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the, the the comfortable range is in the 20s. Everybody, If the game's in the 20s, they say, you know what? Offense did enough. Defense did enough. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I can sleep well tonight. So that's always an interesting thing. to Like the Texas game, 29-24. Comfortable range yep. there. It's a yep. nice, comfortable hair. Defense Offense played pretty enough. well. Defense did, did enough. You know, you, better, there's more happy people when a game is played in the 20s than in any other range. Oh, well, exceeding a blowout, you know, you know what I'm saying. Seventy to zero would be yeah. the uh, only other way. I became more impressed with what we saw Saturday night from Baker the more we learned about his practice. Yeah, throughout about the that. week, and rolls out of the rack and throws <laughs> for 400 and runs for 69. Uh, hey, how how about the fact that that was a secret? <laughs> I know exactly. In, in this day and age, the fact that nobody reported. That Baker Mayfield didn't practice all week is pretty amazing. I mean, he's a maybe the front runner for the Heisman Trophy, one of the top three. That's pretty amazing. Kudos to the security over there at uh, football practice. It was impressive, and all those kids who have Twitter accounts on the football. <laughs> that, that is true too. They did a good job of keeping <laughs> that on the down low. I will say this, and it was funny because when they came out or right before they went in, there's. I, I use the term routine maintenance, and I know that's not the proper term. But there's always, you know, a guy coming over. I, I started sure. to actually do it on you. But they'll be working on shoulder pads yeah. or maybe, you know, Scott Anderson might go up, talk to him, make sure he's okay. And there was only routine maintenance done, if you will, on Baker Mayfield. So when Kyler Murray came in, automatically I thought, did I miss something? Mm-hmm. Did I miss something over here? And then lo and behold, we find out we all missed something. And, well, they didn't and, tell us. Right. And, and, boy, Kyler Murray was going to the house if he doesn't slip on that one yeah. zone option replay. But, yeah, it's um, it's good to hear that things are trending in the right direction from that as far as his shoulder injury is concerned because that was one whale of a performance. I mean, I would I would sit him in practice again this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard Chad in the in the press conference show say, maybe I need to get laryngitis <laughs> and then – just be ready to go on game day. Did we, did we learn outside of, obviously, that bombshell? We learned anything else at the presser today? I mean, Khalil Houghton maybe back this week, and that was a name, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I didn't even bring up on Saturday, kicking myself for Robert that. Barnes had a couple of plays. He, had a he nice showed up weekend. a couple of yep. times. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I was good for Rodney Anderson on Saturday. I think the evolution of the running back position this year has been a fascinating one. They've had three different guys now rush for over 140 yards in a game. Um, and it looked like Rodney uh, was going to be the forgotten back, and for him to emerge now is, you know, I don't know, maybe next week he's the starter. I, I don't know. Um, that's that's a really great story, especially considering the injuries the last couple of years that sidelined him for the season. So that was fun to come out. I think Marcellius or, or, or Marquise Brown uh, is a is a good story and a weapon that. If he's getting it, and it sounded like, you know, in the interview with Baker, he was talking about he's starting to realize what he has to do in practice and, and uh, 
everything to get on the field. And if that's the case, and he's going to be a weapon for them the rest of the way, I think he can really be a weapon. Obviously, C.D. Lamb's been slowed a little bit here, and Jeff Bidette's been slowed a little bit here. But if they can get to the point where they get everybody back and healthy, mixing Marquise Brown in, who has – he's got speed nobody else has on that offense. Right. And whether it's a jet sweep or – a wheel route like they ran to him the other day down the sidelines or getting him open over the middle of the field where he he did that little reverse pivot and took it down the sidelines for 62, something like that. He's got electric speed that can get behind defenses or you get it in open field and he can open the field and he can make plays. Um, that was that was great to see. He was a big difference maker. And on top of all that, he threw the block yeah. on the game-winning play that really sprung Rodney Anderson to get to the corner. And I thought he did a great job in his post-game interview with this as well, too. It's an, He did. He really, <laughs> It's more evidence that all of us talking knuckleheads have no idea what we're talking about. Really. I mean, <laughs> how many talk shows are there in Oklahoma? Oh, yeah, countless. Too many, right? And, and we talked for an entire week about a football game. Did anybody, Chris Plank, Anybody at any time this week say, I think probably the difference maker Saturday will be Rodney Anderson and Marquise Brown. Not on my watch, they no, didn't. No, the answer's no. <laughs> That's because you never know. You never know. And this week, the same thing will happen. We'll talk OU Texas Tech, and we'll slice it up, and we'll dice it up, and we'll, we'll look at their offense and our offense and difference makers, all this kind of stuff, and something will happen Saturday night that nobody anticipated. It's beautiful. It's college football. It's why we love it. Hey, you think I scared Bubba Cunningham? Or do you think that was? You scared me. Sorry. <laughs> that was awesome. We were in the middle. Uh, Bubba Cunningham, athletic director at North Carolina, was in town, and I heard him in there talking, and we did a radio show together for the longest time. And there was a moment when I grabbed him from behind. I was like, he might not remember me, but yeah. thankfully he did. That was a- I'm glad he didn't pull a switchblade on you or something. <laughs> he was here taking, I guess it's okay to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Touring- I, I, there's a lot of 80s here, as a matter of fact, I he, believe. He is touring the OU broadcast facility because – uh, the ACC network is yeah. is coming to the ACC, and and North Carolina has to get you know properly fitted for all that entails, and so they're looking over our facility. Which, by the way, I don't know if people realize, happens all the time here. Yep. And what Brandon Meyer has built here, and Joe Castiglione have built here, is uh, the crown jewel of all of collegiate athletics as far as broadcast facilities, and. It's not just college programs or athletic directors that come through here. It's professional teams, basketball, uh, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, that will tour this place to see how Oklahoma does it and try to emulate it back where they are. And to their credit, they're more than happy to show them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I would be that nice. I'm not sure I would I would say, hey, you figure it out on your own, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Bubba Cunningham was here trying to – uh, see if they can go build something at North Carolina similar to what Oklahoma has. All right, go enjoy Spotlight. Uh, All right, buddy. Lincoln Rally Press Conference coming up right now. All right, uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, quick recap on the, the Kansas State game. Uh, very, very pleased with how our team responded and very pleased with the win. Uh, you know, it was even, honestly, even I was really pleased afterward, but then I know I saw the stat after that said, you know, Oklahoma's either 7 or 8 no in their last you know, last appearances there and the rest of the Big 12, I think I read was 11 and 35 uh, in the same span, which that tells you how hard of a place it is to win at. And uh, so I, you know, we knew it was going to be a good challenge. Um, obviously, we fell behind early, uh, but just to, to see our team respond was, it was big for us. It was big. It was an excited locker room, and, and they should have been excited. They, they fought their tails off to get back into that game. We didn't do everything perfect. We got a lot of things that we got to fix, and certainly we're not looking looking past those, but we also got to appreciate what it was, and that's a Big 12 win on the road, and those are all hard. So really, really proud and excited for our team. Uh, excited to uh, to be able to do it in that kind of atmosphere. Um, I've said it many times, that, that's a great atmosphere. Their, their fans, their student section at Kansas State is phenomenal. It makes the game fun. It makes it a tough place to play. I can't say enough about the atmosphere there, and, and again, proud of the way our guys handled it. Um, yeah, and then very excited about this week. You know, great chance to get back home, be our first you know true night game here at home this year, which you know we're looking forward to. Uh, hopefully, our crowd, our fans are really excited about it. Got a, a big game coming up against Texas Tech, uh, one of the best offenses year in and year out. This year is no different in the country. Uh, 
you know, Coach Kingsbury and their guys do such a good job offensively scheming you up, putting you in tough positions, you know, and they're able year in and year out with different personnel uh, to, to really do it at a high level. Um, have a ton of respect for them and what they do. And, and then also you could really see that I, I feel like they're really playing a lot better defensively than they have in the last few years. You see some some things schematically they're doing different. They've got some different players in there that are that are doing a good job for them. I think they're really doing a much better job against the run. And you can see, I feel like there's probably some of the continuity of having uh, you know Coach Gibbs and his staff in there for you know a, an extended time. You can see the results of that. So they're they're playing well as a team. Uh, you know they've had a couple of, of very close losses, but uh, it's going to be they're always a great challenge. And uh, so one, our team is very much looking forward to, and again, looking forward to being back home here at Norman at night game. It's going to be our biggest recruiting weekend of the year. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll expect to play well and have a great atmosphere behind us uh, at 7 o'clock on Saturday. You pinpoint the inconsistencies of the last four games, where at times you look really good and at times not so good? I think that's a little bit of just what we are right now. Um, you know, we're a team that's uh, – we're getting better. We're learning more about ourselves. Um, you know, kind of what it takes for us to play at a high level, and when we don't do it, you know, what some of the causes are. I, I don't think it's necessarily been the same thing each week. You know, we've we've kind of we've a way of putting it is we've we've sprung different leaks. You know, it's not always been the same leak, and uh, and so you know, it, there's there's two sides of looking at it. One is you got to fix the things you got to fix, and we're you know we're constantly pushing as hard as we can to do that and the flip side of it is you know even when you're not at your best you got to find ways to win and we've done that here the last several weeks and and uh, for the most part all season so we're we're pushing like crazy to get them fixed but we're also you know uh, very proud that you know winning winning especially these last two when we weren't at our best Lincoln, talk about Baker, you know, you, you said earlier he, he didn't practice all that much last week and yet he was so good in the game and he's been so efficient in the game he hasn't been happy with the two-minute drill all season, but then he directs one of the best ones, and you ran, I think, five running plays on that play. But serious, but talk about his involvement as a mental quarterback as well, and things yeah. that he's coming along. Yeah, no, he probably doesn't get the appreciation he deserves. I mean, it's people just kind of come to expect it each and every week, but it's it's such a hard position to play, and yeah, he didn't didn't practice all week, and. Uh, and to be able to go out and play the way he did against another really, really good Kansas State defense that gives everybody problems. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable, honestly. It really is. So, you know, it, you know, people should take notice of that and not take it for granted. It's hard to play it at the level he's playing it. And uh, he's doing it with a, a new cast of skill guys, you know, and, and uh, I mean, Show me somebody in the country who's playing better. So you know, he didn't practice. He didn't practice at all. At all. Did you? Did at you all. Say anything to him about the not sliding, or did you get a sense that he was trying to inspire kind of sure. a team by running hard and fighting for every yard he could get? Well, it's you know he. I didn't say anything. I, we. I think he and I are past that a little bit. I mean he. He knows. He knows the situations when we need it, and the situations where we where we can't afford for him to slide. Um, you know, part of it may be he slid last week and uh, he wasn't uh, wasn't protected very well when he did slide. So maybe he thought there's no not much point in it. How much does that shoulder limit him, and how much does it limit your um, I don't know play calling or his usage in your play calling? Because the kid ran for two touchdowns, he has to juke around one guy, yeah. and then the other guy he almost has to run him over. It yeah. does, it's not slowing him down, is what I'm getting at. Doesn't yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a contact issue. You know, it was it was uh, just one that limited him from throwing during the week, and so we didn't throw him. But I don't have many concerns about him as a thrower. It did not limit us in the game, and I don't anticipate it limiting us going further. How much does that resonate with the rest of the team that he doesn't practice all week and then he comes out there and still plays like he did? Well, I mean, I they, they know they know him well enough by now that they know if he could be out there, he would be, and they know that. You know he he's going to be ready to play. You know that's never a that's just you know with him that's just never an issue. And uh, so yeah, I, but we've got a lot of guys. I mean that are showing that kind of toughness. You know Michael Jones was getting banged up. You know in the game several times. His shoulder came out of place three or four times during the game, going straight back in. You know we've got a lot of guys playing through a lot of stuff right now. That's not that's not out. That and 
but they're uh, you know, a lot of guys persevering and fighting through some things. And that's you know you see that fighting in our team all the way around. That's why that's how you're able to come back and win in a place like that when you don't start off well. Is that why, account for maybe why you gave up a break in the goal line? Did practice all week in college? Now? Does that play into your decision making? Uh, you know, we were able to work some things with Kyler a little bit more just because Baker wasn't practicing. But did that have a big factor in the play calls at that time? No. Was there a point during the week where you said, okay, Baker's going to play? Or when did you make the final decision, if there was a final decision to be made, that he was going to play Saturday? Uh, I would say we knew it was later in the week that we knew. You know, it was just going to be kind of how his arm responded to, to the rest and treatment and all that we were doing. and. It was pretty slow early in the week, but it 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 got better as we as we got closer. So yeah, it was it was Thursday or Friday before we knew for sure. With well, the packages and the and the, the Kyler Murray packages, how do you feel like those did? Do they need? Where did they come up short? Oh, Kyler's deal was great. Other than he he slipped and fell on the one he pulled that he would have scored on. I mean, all the other plays were were great plays. So yeah, the. Wildcat deals, you know, we, we didn't execute them very well. And that's been something we've been running them here for three years. Uh, I went back and looked in three years. We've had one that was, that's been unsuccessful one time in three years. And we had three the other night. Uh, one of them was a really, was a bad call by me on just the scheme that we ran. The other two, we did not, we did not run to the level that we expect to run them. And had we done that, I think we would have had a great opportunity for the first down. Was, was the injury to, uh, Baker, uh, that latest hit that it wasn't called, but a, a, a big guy late in the game kind of hit the shoulder. Was that was that the incident? Yeah, I I can't remember exactly which one it was. It was in the second half, but I can't remember exactly which one it was. Yeah, yeah. Is he going to practice this week? Baker. Yeah. 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 Lincoln, there was a time that Big Twelve was not an air raid conference. By my math, you were a teenager in the shoe when that changed. Yeah. Do you remember watching the evolution and what mm -hmm. was sort of your impressions of when that all started to change? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I remember, I can remember when, when uh, you know, when Bob hired Mike to come here. And then I certainly have more memories when, you know, when Mike went to, to Tech. Uh, and I was still, I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school at that time. And, uh, and then, yeah, I can just remember it certainly kind of picking up through there. That was one of the biggest reasons I wanted to go to Tech. I was, I was really kind of fascinated by it and uh, kind of what they were, you know, what Mike and those guys were doing there and, you know, with a lot of times lesser athletes and and um, it was something that had always interested me. So it was it was definitely a part of the reason why I chose to go there. Do you think much about how your life would be different if the Air Raid hadn't come into the Big 12, how life in the Big 12 in general would be different if it wasn't around? Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, now I don't think it would be that much different, but I think you look back over the past you know, 15, 20 years, those years would have been a lot different. I mean, it would have caught on somewhere, and now it's spread to where, I mean, you see it in every conference in football. You see you see a lot of it, and uh, some people more than others. But I, it would have caught on here, too, eventually. But I think the kind of the, the early 2000s, all that were radically shaped by that. You said you were a freshman. Maybe a little better than your other backs. Um. He's he's probably you know along with Abdul maybe the most complete guys you know just that they they both have some and he maybe physically is the most complete where you, he's got some physicality so I run through a bunch of tackles the other day runs hard he catches the ball well but and he's also got some home run speed I mean he popped some he popped some big ones the other day where he's got you know a pretty good gear to him uh, so yeah I would say physically he's probably the best one that we have. Rodney, what's the process of maybe getting in six year down the road? How's that timeline work, and when do you guys ask for that? Yeah, th those things normally happen on the back end. We do uh, Scott Anderson uh, with our, our our medical staff, and then Jason Leonard and all of our guys in compliance. They 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 kind of compile everything as we go through, but that process actually doesn't happen until the the back end of their career. How's Abdul Adams doing? He's better. He was better. He was he was available the other day, but not wasn't a hundred percent. So we were hoping to be able to get through it without playing him, which we were. And uh, so I would expect he'll continue to make improvements. How confounding is it, and what can you do to change the fact that it looks like the energy level, game in game out. I mean, it's up and down, mm -hmm. and it wasn't there at the start the other day. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it wasn't good enough. Um, 
you know, and then they rip off a, you know, a 75 yard run the second play of the game, which even if it was good, that's gonna, you know, that hits you. I mean, it, it just does. And uh, so, uh, yeah, no, it's an issue. I mean, we've, we've got to be, we've been great early. That That's the one game that, that you know, that it, that, that that was an issue. And so, uh, you know, we've got to do a better job. I've got to do a better job reaching them as, as a coach so that we've got it for four quarters. And our players have got to do a better job responding and having it for four quarters because we we need it to be good. When, we, when we've got it, we're, we're, you know, we're a good team, but we've got to be more consistent with it. Where do you think in the first half defense and the second half defense? We just, we got off blocks. I mean, it was, and, and we said it all week, you know, they're, you're not going to outnumber them in the box. It's just mathematically you can't do it with all their quarterback run game. And so you, when that's the case, some people have to get off blocks. You've got to, even if you don't get off blocks, you have to close down gaps. You've got to win with push. We did not do that in the first half, and we did it at an extremely high level in the second half. How much coaching went into halftime about that, about getting off blocks, about effort, getting in the right place, run fits? It was, it was just halftime for us where there was not a, it was not a schematic halftime for, for really any of the three sides of the ball. It was a, we need to, we've got to pick up our intensity level. We've got to pick up our physicality if we want any chance of winning this game. And our, our coaches did a good job with them and our guys responded. Why do you think you guys need to say that? Um, you know, the, you get different challenges in different games. You know, it's, it's sometimes on the road when the other team gets some momentum early, it's, it's difficult to rebound. I believe me, especially in an atmosphere like that and a very hungry, well-coached team like K-State was. It's, it's, it's not easy. I mean, flipping the momentum, if there was a magic switch for that, you, you, you would never lose a game. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to do. And so, uh, you know, I, do, do I wish we weren't in that position? Sure, of course I do, but also reality tells you you're going to be in that position some. That's that's college football these days, and the way you respond to it needs to be the thing. we got to remember that side of it, too. You guys ran into some similar issues I seem to remember last year when we were coming back from Texas Tech, mm-hmm. um, and the defense really improved. Is that like a, a player's kind of get it at some point in the season, uh, leadership, uh, effort, whatever it is, whatever those that's, It's are. different. It's different each year. You know, it's different each year. We got a new set of a new set of uh, players over there. We've got a lot of young guys in some key positions. Um, you know, you get you're facing different challenges offensively from all the different offenses in this league and the way people continue to evolve um, over the years. And so, it's it, it's a and it really just becomes a week to week deal. It really does. I mean, you can't you never get to a point where all right, like we got it now. And like you don't have to coach it, and you don't have to have the the pedal down to the floor all the time. It just, I know in the outside, and I, we all wish you could get to that point too. But there's no eureka moment. It's you've got to get up and put on your hard hat and go to work every single day. And if you're just a little bit off, especially against good competition, it's going to show up. And so, it's a it's a week to week and a day to day process that we're going to continue to fight. Looking at receiver, Marquise and Michael are beginning to emerge. Yep. Is this just a matter of opportunity, or have they gotten better at running routes? Both, both. I think they've, you know, they've really practiced well. They're two of our more consistent uh, practice guys. It's I think because of that, our confidence as a staff has grown in them. You know, Baker's. Um, I think their confidence in themselves have, have, has really grown. Um, <laughs> So we really felt like it was kind of a matter of time for those two guys, but man, they were they were both huge for us the other night. I mean, I and again, I just when you practice the way they do, good things are going to happen. So really proud of those two. Coach, can you go back to the 2008 jump around game and what was it like Ooh. to be on the other side? Ooh, yeah, a nightmare. Yeah, that was that was still to this day the probably the probably the best atmosphere I've ever played or coached or been a part of I, that's one of my lasting memories of it I mean it was just those who think a crowd or a great atmosphere can't have an effect on the game they weren't at that game that night I mean it was just it was unbelievable so uh yeah it was it was a tough game man it was they, yeah Oklahoma got the momentum and took it away from us and we could we could never get it back but felt like we were just going head first into a buzzsaw I mean it was it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere. It was a great team. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a long night for us. Long night. Ever think you'd be on the flip side of that now? 
I'm glad I am. I don't know at the time that I would have I, I thought thought about it, but uh, you know, it's it's definitely good to be on this side of it. You guys took some criticism after the last Iowa State, but they just cracked the top 25. What are your thoughts on what they've done, given some of the circumstances that they faced and some of their history, and being able to do what they've done this season? Not not really surprised. I mean, I I told you guys that week. I thought they're a really good football team, and and the the key for them has been they found their guy at quarterback, and you see. You know, maybe whatever the situation that led to him becoming a starter looks like it was a blessing in disguise for those guys. And, you know, when you get the right guy there and you get a little bit of momentum, it can make a huge difference. And they got a guy playing well there. They're good defensively. They got a really good running back. They've got, you know, one of the best receivers in the league. I mean, they, they're, they're doing a great job. So it doesn't surprise me that they're playing well. Hey, Lincoln, talk about, we talk about the evolution of the air raid offense. Mm -hmm. Talk about the evolution of how people are trying to stop yeah, yeah, it's it's that evolution actually is probably a little more fascinating than the offensive one. You know, just the all the different things that you see. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's kind of gone back and forth. At times, you feel like the teams are really trying to to pressure you, play a lot of man coverage, and try to the defense is trying to dictate the terms, and then. You know, you're seeing now more teams kind of resort to the, you know, to the drop and eight, saying, you know what, we're probably not going to be able to sack them with the ball getting out that quickly, trying to get a lot of people in coverage, but still being able to rally to the run game. Uh, you know, it's it's gone in phases. I can remember, you know, that some of the tech years, us seeing a lot of drop eight, even some teams that dropped nine against us. We didn't we didn't run it much there, and uh, so it, it goes back and forth. I think it has to do with the defensive talent level, and then also. You know how these different offenses are trying to attack them. So it's kind of a kind of a cat and mouse game. You know, the it's like the defense has changed and the offenses catch up and maybe get ahead, and then and then it just kind of goes back and forth. So it's it's interesting. It's it's what makes it fun for us. You know, to to scheme and to continue to evolve. Do you think that having <clears throat> four backs, three or four, however many you want to say, or primary guys, do you think that that will actually pay dividend down the stretch? I do. I, I mean, I think it's paid dividends up to this point where, you know, losing a guy like Abdul Adams hasn't hasn't killed us, you know. Um, you know, or, you know, even, you know, a guy like, you know, Trey Sermon, it's given him times, even though he's had some really good games as a true freshman where we don't have to re rely on him, you know, every game all the time. Um, you know, whereas like last year, Iowa State, you know, when Joe and Samaje were out and Abdul was a little nicked up, you know, we weren't, we had to really, Kind of change who we were in that game, uh, so no, it's it's paid dividends thus thus far, and typically things like that pay even more dividends as you get later into the season. Guys get banged up, you start playing in inclement weather. Uh, that's been a good recipe for us. How was Iowa State able to shut down Tech's attack as well as they were, and can your defensive coaches look at that and and help your defense this week? No, they did a good job. You know they. Uh, Watching that game, they, you know, they kept everything in front of them. They really limited Tech's big plays. They were able to, you know, turn them over. Had a big pick six off of a screen play that was a, you know, a, probably the biggest play in the game. Um, you know, Tech really tried to run the ball a lot, and they did a pretty nice job controlling their run game. So they, they just kind of stayed in position and made plays. I, I would, you know, not to put words in their mouth, but I would think. Cliff and the guys would probably expect that they would throw it and catch it a little bit better than they did. They had some errors that were certainly, you know, kind of on their own. Um, so, yeah, they did a good job against. Uh, certainly, we look at every single game. You know, we look at games from a lot. We look at a lot more games than you guys would probably even imagine. So, anything that we can find to do to help, we'll always look at it. How much did a guy like Rodney, Rodney Anderson, earlier in the year seem like the other guys were kind of moving ahead? What was his attitude during that time, and what will Saturday do for him just from a confidence? Uh, his attitude's been great. That's why he was, you know, ready to go here the last couple of weeks when his opportunity came. You know, he didn't he didn't pout about it. He didn't he didn't get down when he didn't get the opportunities. He had a, a great just kind of team first mentality and kept working hard and believing in himself. And he's gotten opportunities last week. I, I thought his confidence grew a lot after the Texas game and. Uh, you know, and then he just he got hot the other night, and we stayed with him, and he he responded in a big way. So yeah, that's a guy that's battled back, you know, from all that he has, and then even more, even more things this year. You know, not playing a bunch early, all that. You know, to be able to respond like that was huge for him individually, and obviously huge for our team.
what happened on the punt snapper? What happened on the punt snapper? What did Wesley and Austin tell you? Yeah, we were just. It was just a little bit high. You know, it was one that. Um, you know, Austin, they'll both blame themselves, and they both did right off the bat. They both took the heat for it. Um, Austin, you know, certainly felt like he should have at least caught it. Um, and Wesley, it wasn't one of his best snaps. But, you know, it's, that's one of those, it happens. I mean, Wesley's one of the best snappers in the country. He's been, he's been very, very um, consistent for us over the last several years. Um, we hadn't had to talk about him much, which is always a great sign. And, and Austin, obviously, his punting has been unreal. So, it happened, but those guys are, you know, as good as there is in the country, and I got, I got really no concerns about them. What were your thoughts when you saw Rodney go outside and backwards on that left? Yeah, no, I've, I, I had said some four-letter words in my head, I think. Um, <laughs> but then I knew he was. I knew they grabbed his face mask coming out. You know, that, that's when I kind of went, you know, a little crazy on the sideline. Just I wanted to make sure the guy saw it, and he did. He did a good job of calling it. Um, I knew they at that point. I knew even if they tackle him for loss there, that uh, you know we're going to get plus fifteen, and Austin's going to be in pretty good shape for the field goal. But yeah, no, and then he yeah, and then he breaks it, and uh, Marquise Brown and C.D. Lamb did a great job on the perimeter, kind of sealing those guys off on a little bit of a broken play. They had a good they had a good stunt run into the play that we were running. Uh, I should have. Should have ran something else, but our guys did a great job making it work. Playing Monday afternoon quarterback on these third and short uh, situations that you've had some struggles with. Uh, if you complete 75% of your passes, why not maybe occasionally throw it? And how with the one of the best lines in the country, can you not sneak it or, or do something? Just yeah, well, we did throw one on a third and short. We didn't get it. Um, so, I mean, that's – you know, again, I, I go into that game, you want to talk percentages, I mean, I think I looked at, we'd ran the, that, the Wildcat, I think, 14 times the past three years, and we got 13 of the 14, so it's hard to beat those percentages. Um, yeah, and, and, and the, the line wasn't the problem on them. I mean, the line, line had no problems. The line was, was fine. It was, the scheme was good. They do some things to take away, uh, you know, the sneak and some of your A-gap things that make some of those off-tackle plays that we run very good schematically, but you still got to execute them. You know, we did a good job with the line. You know, one player, fullback, didn't do a great job, and then Dimitri's got to do a better job with a few technical things as the ball carrier that, that uh, when, when they were there. So we got to coach it better and execute it better, but it's uh, schematically, there's no problems with it. I'm sure it's a reactionary moment. Uh, but when Austin retreats and tries to scoop up that punt, are you, like, I don't know, previously coaching him to do, okay, if this happens, I want you to try this, fall on it, pick it up and kick it, or is it strictly go get it from Boosh Camp? Yeah, no, no, we talked to him about it. I mean, I think it, there's, there's a sense of the timing. You know, if it happens kind of quickly like it did, there's times, especially if they've got a return on, that you still have a chance to get it and maybe kick it and at least maybe get it back to the line of scrimmage. Um, if it plays out, if you don't get it clean, then we just got to try to get on the ball or at least if they get it, get them down so they don't return it for a touchdown. Obviously, being fourth down, they're going to get the ball anyway. So he And I thought he did about what we coached him to do. He tried to scoop it once. Uh, he didn't get it clean. And then after that, it was just trying to, you know, get on it or at least keep them from, from scoring. So once it went through his hands, he, he did what he was coached to do. Lincoln, with the exception of Mark Andrews, you guys have kind of a shorter receiving core. What are the advantages of having little guys? Well, normally if we brought them here and they're little, they're fast. You know, so that's uh, – we've got some we've got some pretty good speed. You know, we, we can run. We can separate from people. Uh, we put people in some binds that way, I think. Um, so yeah, then that's just kind of the way that it's played out, you know. Where where Jeff uh, Bedet and and certainly Marquise have risen up and started playing, you know, playing well. Um, you know, we still have some pretty good size out there, though. At times, I mean, CD's a big kid. You know, Jordan Smallwood's a big kid. Uh, you know, Mark Grant, um, Jeff Meads. So we we still have some size, certainly too. We've we probably have as good of a mix of that as maybe as maybe we've had in the two years of, or in the three years now of not being all small but all big, but having a little bit of both. On that same note, when you have a game where Baker's really going to Mike Hill or Marquise, 
How much more precise does he have to be as opposed to he just doesn't have a 6'5 target, he can just lob one up to? Yeah, I mean, in some ways you do, in some ways you don't. I mean, a lot of times the bigger guys don't separate as much, so you have a bigger target, but a lot of times the defender's closer in proximity where a smaller guy, it's a smaller target, but a lot of times they can separate a little bit more, and so even if you're off, you know, a guy's able to reach back, you know, and catch the ball or flip his hips and catch maybe a – Ball that wasn't entirely accurate just because he's got that separation. No, no, we he's not. He's uh, we got it. We need to play him a little bit more. You know, Mark's been playing pretty well, um, and you know, and we really until the second half the other night, we really haven't had games where we've had a lot of plays. Um, and you know, like the first half, we were planning on playing him quite a bit the other night, and our drives were pretty short. We didn't have many plays the first half. We we should have played Grant more the second half. There were some times where Mark got pretty tired, especially when we we ratcheted up the tempo. So uh, now Grant's he's practicing well. He's played well when he's been in there. You know, I think the ball will will find him more as we go along. On a personal note, for you, do you feel a game like that on the road helps you grow as a coach? Sure. Sure. No, that's every, every game is is a chance to grow. There's 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 just a, there's new challenges every week. I mean, each week just feels like in a lot of ways not starting over, but it's it's just each week is so different. You know, the word the team's mindset, where you're playing, who you're going to face, who's healthy, who's not. I mean, there's just so many different challenges. So, sure, I'm 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 learning a lot. I'm, I think I'm growing. Um, you know, kind of along, you know, along the lines of the way our team is right now. You guys were blowing out a lot of teams early in the season and even last year. How much is playing four games where the outcome is in doubt in the fourth quarter? How much can that help the team going through the stretch run? No, it can help a lot. We've played in big time environments. We've played really, really good football teams. Uh, we've been in just about every situation you can be in this year. You know, up, down. You know start fast don't start fast so we we've been in a bunch and and i think we have a confidence about us that 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 we can find ways to win games and uh find ways to persevere you know through whatever's thrown at us so that's that's important and uh so i think that's going to help us grow for sure what about tech's offense and what do you think about their quarterback he's averaging over i think 320 yeah that's another another great quarterback there i mean he's just kind of the next in line um Seems watching him, I've been real impressed with. He seems like he's a fiery guy. You know, he seems like they really, you know, really respond to him. Maybe not just the, the offense, but maybe the whole team. You know, he's not as mobile as Mahomes was, but not many people are. Uh, but he's very, very efficient. He, he, you know, you can tell Cliff has got him, you know, programmed as far as where he wants the ball to go, and the guys making plays, and they've been very good offensively again. He's got really good playmakers around him. You know, they've, they've really ran the ball well for the majority of the year. Um, so, I mean, I've been really impressed with the kid. Mike Leach ever made any comments to you about what he thinks when you bring two H-backs in the game? <laughs> yeah, he has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I assume he's not a fan. Nah, he, he, he's never had backs and linemen like we have here either. Especially the lineman, you said Bobby Evans graded out the best two weeks ago. How did he do this week? He's been – he maybe has been our most consistent lineman all year. I mean, Orlando's played at a really high level. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but Bobby is just so steady. I mean, he is he, – he's kind of sneaky good, you know. I just – I mean, you know, Orlando gets a lot of the attention out there, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's a great player, uh, but Bobby's been just as valuable. Uh, he, he's just steady, makes very, very few mistakes. He doesn't get beat often. I think he's really improved his power in the run game. Um, I mean, those two as tackles are, you know, those are as good as anybody has anywhere. Orlando said that it seemed like Bobby made a two-year leap in the span of a year. Yeah. Does that sound about right? It does. It does. His his kind of maturity, um, he kind of got thrown in the fire, like I said a few times. You know, last year he ended up playing against everybody's best defensive end. It felt like each week, you know, he's playing against a future NFL draft pick. I mean, it felt like all the time. And But he responded, and he grew a lot last year and got a lot better as the year went through. And, and he's he's quite a bit better this year than he was last year. Lincoln, it's kind of strange <laughs> or unusual that you guys keep facing um, – backup quarterbacks or former backup quarterbacks yeah. um, each week, it seems. And yet those guys keep having success that they hadn't had maybe the week before or previously in their career. 
is that a maybe a statement that the defense isn't prepping for that guy, they're prepping for another guy? And, and, or is it maybe more of a statement of those guys as backup quarterbacks are pretty good? Well, the Delton kid, you know, came in and Texas is pretty darn good defensively, and he came in and shredded them pretty good. You know, so he's a good player. He's a good runner. Um, you know, we we knew if he got loose that he was going to be a problem. And uh, but again, I I think you know our willingness and our our the, you know the adjustments that we did make and our our when we played at the level that we needed to play at, you know, we were able to shut them down pretty good in the second half. I think they had 12 rushing yards. Um, you know, the Iowa State kid, obviously we didn't know much about going in, uh, you know, and how much different or, or the same that he was to their to the guy that, you know, we expected to see. Um, I don't know, again, that that's changed a lot of what they're doing or it's much different schematically. I mean, that kid's just played well for him. He played well. He played well against us, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago here, and it looks like for the most part he's played pretty well since then. So he's, he goes – He's thrown a lot of really good balls, so he's a good player. An example, too, maybe of a coaching staff saying, we have a new quarterback, let's find out what he does well and play to those strengths. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair to say, especially in the Kansas State. You know, I mean, they're they're quite a bit different when uh, Delton's in as opposed to Ertz, you know, and uh, but they're they're the perfect place to have a guy like him. They do such a good job with the quarterback run game. I mean, they're as good with it as anybody in the country. What about your defensive down the line. How are they playing? Who's playing well? Yeah, they're playing. They're playing pretty good. Uh, you know, Q Overton's put together some solid weeks. Uh, probably the guy I've been the most proud of is Devontae Lampkin. You know, he he really he just continues to show up. You know, and he's he's got the potential to be a dominant player. And and you just see you see more plays each week from him that get you excited about this year and the future of what he could do. Uh, he's so <laughs> gifted physically, and it's starting to. It's starting to all come together for that kid, and uh, so been proud of, of you know of how he's kind of battled back from some of the different challenges. Uh, you know, Kenneth Mann continues to make plays. Uh, Amani Bledsoe's played well. Um, I think he's going to get better. There's still some rust, you know, from missing all those games. That's that's apparent, but the talent's there. Um, so yeah, I think. I think those guys are doing a pretty good job. We've been able to put consistent heat on people. Um, and other than the first half, which really wasn't a defensive line issue, we've been able to you know, contain the run game of just about everybody. So um, I think we got the potential to play better, though. we got the potential to be really, really good there. So, and that'll be important here going forward against some of these offenses we're getting ready to play. What has Tech meant to you? Do what? He's getting better. He's getting better. He's you know, kind of a... It's a, it's a nagging injury. I mean, it's one that, but it's one that progresses week to week. He's he's he was a lot better last week than he was Texas week, and and uh, no setbacks. So figure he'll be quite a bit better this week too. Any other guys meant to you in your career and life? Oh yeah, a lot. I mean, yeah, I got my college degree from there. You know, uh, my starting coaching. Um, a lot of lifelong friends. A lot of my family still lives back in that area. So yeah, it's uh, it's it'll always be a special place to me. A lot of a lot of great memories. Certainly wouldn't wouldn't be standing here talking to you guys without that place. And uh, so no, it's uh, it's always fun to play them. But uh, they're always somebody uh, that when we're not playing them, I'm normally rooting for them. Any other uh, injuries updates other than CD? No, we came out, I think, pretty healthy. Probably as healthy uh, as we've come out of a game in a while. So nothing, uh, a couple bumps and bruises. It was a physical football game. Uh, um, should get Khalil Houghton back this week, which will be uh, a positive to have him back. Um, uh, Matt Romar still questionable. Uh, I think everything else is, uh, is looking pretty positive. All right, so that'll do it for this week's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Toby Rowland for giving us his time. Coming up later this week, we'll have the tailgate edition, which I usually nine out of ten times refer to as the game plan. Tailgate coming up this week to get you ready for homecoming on a busy weekend for Sooner Athletics. Just uh, just dropped while we were recording this. Baker Mayfield named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. The uh, OU basketball team will be holding a special scrimmage against UTA on Saturday afternoon to help raise money for the United Way and Hurricane Harvey. And volleyball will be home on Saturday afternoon as well before first uh, first pitch, before the opening kick between Oklahoma and Texas Tech. So it's a busy weekend here on campus. And don't forget, Wednesday night is the fundraiser for Sooner softball and baseball teams as they have their annual Halloween game. So I'm 
I'm kind of excited. I think Jessica Cootie and I are going out to do some Facebook Live during that event. So uh, that's something to look forward to coming up on Wednesday. Get the kids out, and it, uh, it'll be a fun event. That's the annual, I guess you can say Halloween game, is what it's become more than anything else. That'll be at Marita Hines Field this Wednesday night at 630 uh, both baseball and softball teaming up to help the OU Children's Hospital and the Versus Cancer Foundation. Uh, pretty incredible that over the last three years they've raised over uh, almost $100,000 towards uh, helping out those in need. So you can learn more at Soonersports.com right now. All right, everyone, have an awesome week. Thank you for downloading. As always, tell a friend or two or ten that loves the Sooners that we've got them covered with the Sooner Sports podcast at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, the great folks at Allstate and the Riverwind Resort, the Riverwind Resort, the place to be. For Toby Rowland and for uh, Coach Lincoln Riley, I'm Chris Plank saying everyone have a great week. We'll see you Friday. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. 